Welcome to the Audit Podcast, the number one podcast for the audit profession. Be sure to check the show notes for all of our social media channels and to sign up for the Audit Podcast newsletter. Now, here's your host, Trent Russell. This podcast is sponsored by Green Skies Analytics, where they do everything tech-related, but only for internal audit. Although compliance and risk management, y'all are cool too, so feel free to check it out also. To find out more, please visit greenskiesanalytics.com, but it's more likely that you're just going to Google it. So to find out more, please Google Green Skies Analytics. This podcast is also brought to you by AuditBoard, the leading cloud-based platform transforming how enterprises manage risk. AuditBoard's integrated suite of easy-to-use audit, risk, and compliance solutions streamlines internal audit, SOX compliance, risk management, and security compliance. Automate processes and improve execution with AuditBoard's purpose-built solution, which is designed to address the most pressing challenges of today's practitioners. Experience the latest in audit, risk, and compliance technology. Visit AuditBoard.com to schedule your product walkthrough to see AuditBoard's award-winning platform in action today. This week, we have Nick LeBlanc from Rapid7 and what ended up becoming the the RPA or the bot episode. Nick uh, was was pretty heavily involved with the rollout at Rapid7, and he probably gives one of the best explanations of RPA, uh, kind of one of the best definitions. If you're, if you're not familiar with it, robotics process automation is just automating tasks. But um, Nick, like I said, does a better job of giving a description than I just did. And I really like his definition. So check that out. Nick also talks about his experience with SOX compliance for the bots that are part of a um, control relative to SOX and the external audit and kind of what their experience is with that and what that might look like long-term if you fully automate. Lastly, Nick talks about why your company needs a COE, uh, a center of excellence for an enterprise rollout of RPA. So if there is already an enterprise rollout of RPA at your organization and internal audits not involved, then uh, definitely consider um, getting involved with that. All right, here we go. All right, so what was the... You said it was a hoax email that run through that again real quick. What was that? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so just recently had an audit committee meeting um, and at every audit committee meeting, we go through the whistleblower hotline complaints, um, which go to our general counsel and to our audit committee, the head of the internal audit committee. And they had one coming into this meeting that they approached me with right before and saying like, Hey, we just got this last week. It's very, very vague. Uh, doesn't really tell much about who it is or, or what the, or where the problem is. Um, and so I read, I was reading through it during the meeting because I hadn't had a chance to look at it. And it just, it sounded off. The whole thing you're reading through, it's like, is this person's first language not English? Maybe this is international. It was submitted at like three in the morning. So mm -hmm. like, I'm trying to like put together the pieces to figure it out because the, the email itself was basically, hey, I, I know a guy that I work with, my boss, who is basically trading deals uh, with vendors to, to make sure that they get selected when we do procurement. Uh -huh. So they're eventually getting kickbacks and bribes is what she was, or he or she was saying. Yeah. But again, the whole thing was very long. It was like seven or eight paragraphs of like, oh, this night we went out and he was telling me about it and <laughs> just very, very vague. So, you know, I'm sitting there thinking like this, I've got to figure out like where this is and how can we figure out and procure? Like we don't even have many people that do procurement at Rapid7 uh -huh. as yeah. a cybersecurity company. So I'm like, this just sounds odd. And oddly enough, um, you know, we, I have this internal audit roundtable team, a uh, group that I'm with in the Northeast. <clears throat> And there was an email chain that morning about whistleblower hotlines, more so on like, hey, how do you guys do it? We're trying to build out this thing. And someone chimes in like, 
oh, hey, by the way, I, I think there's this hoax going around. We, we just talked about this in our audit committee about this letter that's going around that, yeah. um, that we just can't figure out like who it's from or, or pinpoint it. And, you know, you try and reach out to the person through that third party whistleblower hotline. And you can't directly contact them, which is sort of part of the idea of the anonymity. Yeah. Um, so they're like, yeah, we're leaving messages, doesn't respond. And he's like, and I, I reached out and four other people within the Northeast had had the same complaint come through their whistleblower hotline. And so it was just interesting, mid audit committee meeting and like, oh, hey, but yeah, guys, by the way, that 20 minute discussion we had on like how the heck we're going to figure out what this is completely fake. <laughs> so it's just one of those things like that, that network that you have and being able to see what others and understand what others are doing was just so helpful. Cause I mean, we would have spent a ton of time and resources and energy trying to figure out like what this guy was talking about and where this procurement fraud was. It was to the point, the audit committee was like, maybe we should have you do an audit on this mm -hmm. stuff. And so one of those things where, you know, I don't know what the intent of that hoax email was. Maybe it was a phishing thing. We're not really sure. Um, but it's just one of those things where, you know, having the ability to reach out to other people in your network and understand what they're seeing and saying like, wait a minute, this was a gut check for me. Does this sound right to you guys? And just being able to figure that out and avoid having all this unnecessary work and stress about it. So yeah, well, it was just kind of funny that, that that whole thing happened. What, what's the, uh, the group you're in that, that you were able to bounce this off of? How's that work? Yeah. Um, that's, it's an internal audit roundtable group that I'm with here in the Northeast, um, it's, it's run by uh, Miriam Ormond. Yeah. And uh, yep. So she, uh, she runs this group. Uh, we just kind of meet every two months. I think it's bi-monthly. Um, I just joined recently a few months ago. So only was my first meeting. Uh, but we just talk about different topics that, that are of interest to different heads of internal audit at different companies throughout the Northeast. Um, you know, last time we talked a little bit about RPA, which I know we're going to chat about. And then, uh, you know, they've had other discussions around my favorite ones are around like, hey, what are your external auditors telling you? Because then I can go in and say, well, mine's telling me this. And yeah. someone else is like, yeah, well, mine's saying the opposite thing. So it gives you a little bit of leverage too to come in, especially with those arguments when your partner's like, no, it's just firm <laughs> policy. We can't do it. Yeah. And then you go and you're like, well, I know your other right. partner in your firm is doing it. Yeah. So like, don't give me that. <laughs> I can tell you as the external auditor, whenever someone would leave uh, external audit and go into internal audit and they were a manager or had some kind of, um, you know, influence over the testing, if they were doing it in-house, I was always like, God, you were the worst. I hate working with you. Cause they know all the trick, you know, like I'd be like, yeah, you know, we got to do it like this because of this. And that's, you know, it's not me. It's a PCOB pushing us down. They'll be like, well, that's not how I would do it. I would do it like this. And I'm just like, come on, like, just work with me, you know, but they, oh, yeah, uh, I think they, the worst, the worst part for me every year in internal audit is when they do the rotations. So you get a new partner and all of a sudden you've like, you've built this rapport. You, you understand yeah. like, Oh, you're on the same page. And then the new guy comes in. He's like, no, nah, that's not how I do it. Oh, I yeah. like to see if this, and you're like, great. So every five years we've got to revamp the socks program. But yeah. when you guys switch partners, it's just frustrating. Yeah. I think, you know, for me, that's one of the more frustrating parts of internal audit in general. It's just, especially when it comes to socks is yeah. like, yes, there is like your general frameworks and your PCOB rules. I understand those, but then each partner or firm has kind of their own little twist to it that they add yeah. for each one. So <clears throat> it just makes it a little more complicated. But again, once you sort of get into that rhythm, it's nice. And then I just go ahead and pull that partner out from under the rug. <laughs> All right. Back to, back to the start here. I always have to preface uh, socks questions with this is how we used to do it, or this is how we did it. I'll, you're going to have to talk to your firm, you know, your auditor about how they do it. Cause it's probably going to be different. Um, and then 
kind of go from there. But anyway, okay. Well, that's, uh, that's interesting. I appreciate the, the round table mention. Um, I think like everybody should be in one of those. Um, yeah. I feel like within your local area, it's yeah. definitely one of those things that's just, even just from a gut check perspective, sometimes like we, we actually had a really good example. Um, last year, we were going through with our audit committee, our systems and scope for ITGCs. Mm-hmm. And, you know, their big question was um, coming out of that because our, our KPMG partner was like, hey, I think we might have too many. <laughs> like based on stuff, I'm like, okay, okay, that's a legitimate question. We can look into that. Uh, and so the audit committee is like, yeah, we need to push on that. Why do we have so many in scope? And, you know, we're sitting back thinking like, well, we've, we've risk assessed. Like these all make sense from yeah. a risk perspective to be in. So that's where I went out and worked actually with, with Tom O'Reilly over at audit board and was like, Hey, I know you've got a ton of clients out here. Like, can we do a quick survey on this? I would love to see like how many systems people have in scope. Um, so he went out, he, I mean, he's, he knows everyone up yeah, here. Yeah. So, so that was super helpful. He went out and was like, yeah, no problem. Let's absolutely do it. Um, and I think we had about 25 or 30 respondents to it and we were right on par. Like we did the numbers, like even within our industry and our size of company, like we're pretty solid with what we have for systems and scope. So that was really helpful to come back to them and say, yeah, it seems like a lot. There are good reasons for all these. And actually, when you look at it from a larger picture, from a benchmarking perspective, we're actually pretty much on target. So if you could, I know that you've been involved pretty heavily with RPA at Rapid7. And first thing, if you could just brief, what is RPA for the folks that are listening that that I've probably heard of the acronym, but don't really know what it is. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, the acronym itself is just robotic process automation is the RPA. Uh, It's really essentially just low code automation, I think is the simplest way to put it. And by low code, I mean, you don't have to have a developer background to be doing it. The best way I can kind of describe it, at least the tool that we use, which is UiPath, um, it's basically like building a flow chart Uh, except that instead of just being pictographs of sort of the process of what's happening, you're actually telling the, the, the bot to do something. So it sort of looks like a flow chart when you have it out, but within each of those steps, you're basically saying, telling the bot, Hey, do this, do that. Um, and it uses your computer interface. So essentially what I'll do is once I build it, I click play and then I kind of step away, uh, don't touch the computer. And then it just like, if you were sitting in front of your computer, it's as if someone's there clicking through doing what you had wanted to do in the first place. So Um, It's very much, you know, the idea is to get people who don't do coding to actually be able to do some of these automations, which I think is sort of the really interesting part. And then obviously to just simply save time on those insanely manual tasks that people are doing. Yeah, that that was a very good explanation. Uh, One I'm going to steal. I like that. (laughs) Uh, um, It's like it's like if you sat if you push the button and you sat there and watch the screen, it's like somebody's doing the clicking for you. That's I I really like that. I know you haven't done a lot with bots like within your group, but what what are some of the bots that you have <clears throat> within internal audit, like the internal audit department? And I'm trying to recall, I think you had some, right? Yeah, so um, I mean, the main reason I'll be honest, we got involved. I mean, we, we kind of, from internal audit's perspective, brought this to the table because we saw the value there, but also we knew eventually, you know, finance is a ripe area for mm-hmm. RPA. Uh, there's just so many repeatable manual tasks we do every single month as part of the month and quarter close um, that we just knew were going to be automatable. So we wanted to get involved early because if that's the case, obviously our auditors are going to want to say, okay, great. You have a bot doing it. How do you know it's doing it right? Yep. So we want to make sure we got that in scope and had the controls and the processes set up in a way that w- that was auditable. 
So that was kind of our big reason for getting in. That said, obviously there's some stuff in internal audit we can certainly use this for. Um, you know, we've only started with the basics, I'll be honest. Uh, so we basically have a couple bots that run and gather support for us. Mm -hmm. So, you know, every, every time we test interim roll forward year end, you know, you've got to get your 50 journal entries or your, your 50 sales orders or invoices, whatever it is. So we just kind of train separate bots to say, Hey, yeah, here's your invoice number, go into our system, download it, throw it into this file for me. And it's ready to test. So, you know, not, not a huge savings, but you know, couple hours probably every testing period that we would have just spent literally just clicking through and copy pasting and invoice numbers into our into our system so that's kind of where we're starting the hope is that we're going to move into more um, continuous auditing mm -hmm. so hey how can we flag transactions before they become an exception that we know we should address um, how can we test 100 percent population again for us internally not for socks right um, to make sure that you know we're we're not getting a lot of these wrong, you know, there's always a chance you pick a sample and you still have a ton of stuff wrong. That's, that's part of the reasonable assurance yeah. piece. But the more we can kind of, from an internal perspective, use it to, to catch some of that stuff early on, the better. So that's kind of where we're heading with it. But again, the biggest value for the business has been other folks and other teams getting trained up on it, learning to use it and automating these very, very simple, quite frankly, annoying tasks that a lot of people are doing. I mean, we're, we're, you know, we're a growing company. We've grown very, very quickly over the last few years. And with that growth, there's definitely some pain on the back end of, you know, older systems, legacy systems that we still have to use. So a lot of cloud-based stuff that just doesn't talk to each other, or we just simply haven't had the time to build APIs between with our IT team. Um, and one of the simplest things we can do with a bot is a lift and shift. Like, hey, data goes from this system to this system. And right now we have someone pulling a report messing with the data so that it can be re-uploaded that is a very easy bot task to yeah. do. and that's that's the primary use for me anyway especially being in data is hey bot you go to uh the p card uh provider and you download every month all the p card transactions uh and stick them in this you know whatever uh depends on how it's set up but put it on this shared drive and then go tell uh, the analytics tool to import that data and do the whole, you know, it does all the work for you and then kind of spits out the answer um, is where I've mostly, uh, I've used them. So um, that's, what, that's what I'm seeing too. But what I thought was the most interesting was, so you guys kind of like championed the, uh, uh, the risks around there and like putting controls around those for the folks that maybe like are gonna put in RPA and it's going to fall under socks now. An external audit is going to have to, to look at that bot um, and, and assess uh, probably what change management and IT general controls and logical access, things like that. What, what, like what advice would you give them on prepping for that? Like, hey, we're going to implement this bot. We need to know this relative to uh, maybe SOX compliance. Yeah, I mean, I think understanding the process that you're automating is always the first step, you know, and that's why another reason internal audit, we're really glad to be heavily involved in this is don't automate a process that doesn't work. That doesn't make sense. So first and foremost, you want to make sure you're looking at a process and Hey, does this even make sense to begin with the way we're doing it? And then you got to take it to the next step and Hey, okay, maybe it does, but can we change it slightly so that it's even better for automation and sort of build it to a point where you're automating something that's repeatable and sustainable. So that you're not constantly changing it and updating that bot. As far as the SOX aspect comes, we have a center of excellence right now that um, is essentially doing the support training, 
and actual uh, administration of the orchestrator itself. So that team, you know, we work really closely with them to say, hey, you guys are getting all the ideas in and you're seeing everything that you're putting into production. These are some of the things we want you to flag for us if we haven't caught it already. Is it uh, a process that is involved in SOX? And if so, is it doing all of this? Is it completely replacing a manual control with an automated or is it an automated piece of what will still be a manual control? Mm -hmm. So trying to understand sort of what aspect of the SOX process that bot is doing. And then as far as the ITGCs, we're focused much more so on, hey, UiPath is in scope, we can rely on it. We wanna to get to that point where there's no question about whether the bot's doing it right. We know that it's been set up correctly. So we have a whole change management process around that, an entire bot review process with the COE where we have our experts looking at it and saying, yep, pressure testing, going through doing UAT, um, and then owning that, <clears throat> again, the orchestrator piece so that those guys can't just go in and sort of change it every single time yeah. uh, if they want to. So making sure you have that visibility around the change management of that bot is really important. And I think, you know, once your auditors are comfortable that the tool you're using uh, is, is appropriately controlled, there really shouldn't be many issues. That's why we wanted to get there first, because once finance got it, they're just going to run off and they're going to start doing all these processes. And I'm sure they're going to get ahead of themselves on a few things. So if we're ahead of ourselves on the ITGCs for the actual bot tool itself, we're going to be in a much better situation. Okay. And if it comes down of like, oh, hey, by the way, we did the suction tool. Now it's automated. You're like, oh, crap. <laughs> yeah. so, so is it? Uh, okay, so you, you guys have UiPath. Yep. So your external auditor comes, and then and there's obviously processes that fall, are falling under socks that you guys are automating. So does external audit come in? I, I think this is the way you're saying it. They come in and they assess ITGCs of UiPath or whatever the software is, but they're not yep. necessarily looking at each individual bot that's within SOX scope and testing the functionality of that. So, yeah, I mean, I'll be honest, you know, this is, we're at the beginning of this journey. So I imagine there will be a lot of questions from them as we go through this. We have not fully automated ASOX control yet with RPA, meaning completely replaced manual control. Sure. We have done a lot of, I, this is a piece of my SOX control that I do that is now automated. Yeah. For those, they will not necessarily look at the bot. We are still relying on that individual's review okay. to say, hey, look, you built this. You are responsible for making sure that it works. Now on their side, again, from an internal perspective, it should because we have all the change management and um, UAT testing, no matter if it's a complete SOX control or just a piece of it. Mm -hmm. So we make sure it's going through that process as is. Um, but ultimately we're pointing to the control owner and saying, hey, look, that's fine that you're having this bot pull some reports and do some math for you. But ultimately when you go and sign off on it, you're making sure that the bot did what it was supposed to. Gotcha. But when we get to fully replacing, I absolutely see us going in and looking at the configuration of those bots from an ITGC perspective. Okay. Do you, you guys look at like segregation of duties within the bot? So a bot, yes. let's say a bot can um, create a journal and another bot can post a journal. But if I'm the person that owns both of those bots, then inherently I can create and post also. Um, what does that process look like? Absolutely. That was one of our biggest concerns, honestly, coming into that with this. Um, but I think the nice thing about the bots, and, and there's a slight difference. So for the folks listening, maybe have, don't have as much info, there's attended and unattended. So attended is a bot where it's on my computer, I click play, and it runs on my own personal desktop and does what it needs to do. Unattended is hey, every Monday at midnight, I want this bot to kick off when no one's around, and the orchestrator will just run it. 
and it does what it's supposed to do and it either emails completion or spits out a report, whatever it is. When you say orchestrator, what do you, what do you mean? Yeah, sorry, good point. Um, so you have your own, what they call studios on your computer. So that's where you're doing the de designing of uh, the bots and then running them from. An orchestrator is a cloud-based um, tool that you basically send your process to that orchestrator and then it lives there. So yeah. anyone within who has the appropriate access to that bot can pull it down onto their computer and run it. Or obviously it has to be in an orchestrator for it to run unattended. Okay. So it essentially acts as almost another studio, but it's shared and that's where all the administration happens. Hey everyone, thank you for continuing to listen to the show. We wanna say thank you again to our sponsors over at Audit Board, the leading cloud-based platform transforming how enterprises manage risk. Audit Board's integrated suite of easy to use audit risk and compliance solutions streamlines internal audit, SOX compliance, risk management, and security compliance. Automate processes and improve execution with Audit Board's purpose-built solution, which is designed to address the most pressing challenges of today's practitioners. Experience the latest in audit, risk, and compliance technology. Visit auditboard.com to schedule your product walkthrough to see Audit Board's award-winning platform in action today. And I think you were talking about um, unattended. I think I, I stopped you in the middle of unattended. Yeah. So. The two types are really where the, the SOD comes into play. So the beauty of attended is that when you run on your computer, it's running as if it were you as a user. So if I said, hey, you know, I'll go to this report and edit it and it needs admin rights and I'm not an admin, the boss not going to be able to do it because yeah. you personally don't have the access to do that. So that kind of nicely inherently stops them from doing anything they shouldn't be doing with their own bots because mm -hmm. uh, they're only using the access that they already have. Yeah. So where it comes, gets a little trickier is the unattended. And that's where we have this COE team. And we're saying, hey, you guys are the admins. Only you can put those into play and only you can schedule those bots to run. So we'll have to get sign-offs. Um, if there's administrative rights in those bots, we make sure that we have sign-offs from those application owners saying, hey, just be aware, this is the bot. It has admin rights and this is what we want it to do. And they make sure that that's, that's okay. So we do have that segregation of duties kind of built in from a COE perspective because they're the only admins who can go in there, upload those and schedule them to run. Um, you know, we can have employees make recommendations for changes or request changes, but again, then that goes through a whole new approval process and change management process. So okay. the tricky part for us is gonna be if people wanna do some stuff that requires higher level rights, um, we wanna make sure we're really looking at okay, that's great. The bot has it. How do we make sure the bot's now not going to mess up and has that admin right? Yeah. <laughs> so th those are kind of things we're sort of working through now. We have not provided admin rights to any bots at this point, okay. um, but we are using, um, having individual folks run their own access through the bots. Okay. Uh, so bots automate processes, especially the mundane and, and the things that we always do. They are easier to develop than say automating something in a uh, in python or, or programming language so you don't have to learn how to how to code um so this sounds like great and wonderful what's the downside what's what's the bad part or or uh what did you encounter in going through this process that you went ah i didn't really didn't didn't think that would that would be an issue yeah i mean there's there's not there wasn't too many big surprises i think the one surprise for me was the amount of pushback that some folks gave on sort of the roi and then you look at them and you're like you do know your day-to-day -day folks have been complaining about all this manual work they're doing <laughs> like yeah. and, and you know we don't want to rehire 
I think the the more known ones that we kind of knew about coming into, which did end up coming to play, people like, hey, are you are you going to take my job away? Like, mm-hmm. is this bot going to replace my job? Um, so there was a little bit of culture training around like, no, the whole idea of this is to make you more efficient. And I think we want to add more value to the customer. Like, that's the whole point of this. Let's focus on the customer. Yeah. So if that's the case, how can we make your day-to-day job easier so that you have more time to focus on the more value add stuff for our customers? So that's kind of how we branded it. But there's always some concern around like, hey, you know, this is most of my job. What am I going to do? And uh, luckily, you know, our, our people strategy team um, is very good about, hey, you know, there's other things we can do. There's a lot of work that we want to do here that we simply don't have the time to do. So that was our other focus is let's move away from this mundane, keep the lights on tasks and have the bots do that. And let's have these guys focus on stuff that's really driving value and growth in the company. Gotcha. So that, that was kind of um, probably one of the bigger roadblocks we hit obviously budgets always one too you know you go and ask for money it's it's always a fight but yeah. what what so what i was uh thinking you might say or or trying to set you up for maybe this isn't as much of an issue as it used to be but what about the i know teams that have done this internal audit uh teams that have they've bought the tool they implemented rpa um it was great and wonderful and then they realize oh you have to maintain these things uh you have to put in error checking for when this thing isn't you know the file isn't there and you thought it was going to be there uh so instead of having the bot continue to run or to to error out um you have to put in error checks and and things change in it all the time so there might be an upstream system something changes that affects all the bots downstream from it have you have you come across something like that where the maintenance of these has started to become a pain? Yeah. I mean, you're, you're absolutely right on point that that is definitely a, a con. However, that was one, again, we kind of saw that coming a mile away um, just because we worked hand to hand and, and look, we, we bought a, essentially a community version. I say bought, it was free. So we were able to kind of play with this. And that was one of the first things we started to realize it was, I did one and then a website changed where their button was. And it's like, oh, okay, now it can't run. <laughs> of course. So yeah, so we kind of like, okay, yeah, that's going to be a problem, which is why, again, we have this whole change management process set up to make those changes. But more importantly, we have the COE who's monitoring um, changes from other systems. So let's say we use NetSuite. Hey, NetSuite's coming out with a new release um, this quarter and they're changing a bunch of these fields or whatever it is. They'll get notified. We have our NetSuite team who anytime that happens, they have sort of a distro list of people to notify. So now they're on there for COE saying, okay, great. Let's go through and, hey, are any of these fields something our bot's using and we need to flag? So they're kind of staying up a little bit ahead on that. We do also have detective controls for that stuff. Um, A lot of our COE, every time we get a a process reviewed, they're very keen on, let's build in some error monitoring here. Mm -hmm. So like, hey, if all of a sudden this bot's kicking back, let's find out where it's happening and send a flag to that process owner or that bot owner to say, hey, something's wrong here. Like this isn't working as it usually does. So it, it's kind of an inherent risk, which is why I guess for me, it's like you take it because the benefits are so much higher. It's just, yeah, that is going to happen. Um, but it's one, if you properly plan for it and are aware of it going into it, it's one that's pretty easily able to mitigate um, with, some, with some decent processes. Did you have to, for this COE, so there's a, this bot center of excellence. Did you have to hire someone to take on that role full time or did you bring somebody from IT and kind of like convert them and say you're going to be the bot person or how did you go about putting that piece together to where um, you have that center of excellence instead of it being all over the place and that which is going to cause a ton of issues. I think center of excellence for bots is uh, it's very critical and so I was curious how you 
uh, you guys at Rapid7 develop that and set it up. Yeah, I'll absolutely echo that. I mean, you need to have some kind of centralized management of this if you're going to go into sort of any kind of enterprise model for it. I mean, look, if it's just internal audit using it and that's the only team, sure, you could probably manage that in your own internal audit team. But ultimately, you know, and what we found was as soon as we started doing this with the finance and legal and a couple small teams to it just spread like wildfire. I mean, people were like, hey, we heard this was a bot that could do these things. And everyone's like, oh, I really hate doing this task. Do you think it could do that? Yeah. So it just, it took off. And I think for us, that's, we knew coming into it because, um, you know, we had done a lot of research going in on other companies that had put it in and we heard the same thing. You've got to have some kind of central management for this. Now, look, there are companies that will essentially outsource your COE. So there's a ton of small little consulting firms like, yeah, we'll be your COE essentially for a you know, annual fee, whatever it is. Yeah. So even if you're not able to convince your company to kind of dive head first and, and get a team going, I would highly recommend doing at least some sort of consulting aspect of that until, until you get it up and running. But for us, our IT team was heavily involved in this um, from the get-go for that reason, because we ultimately knew the, the, tool itself was going to have to be living with our central IT team, mm -hmm. much like our Zooms and our Slacks and everything else we use is sort of managed by them. It was going to have to be in their ownership team. Now, we also were a little bit lucky in that we had a big push from our IT team prior to that of, hey, we want um, more citizen involvement in IT. So we call it citizen IT. There's a couple different ways we do it, um, but one of which was automation. So these guys were already kind of thinking of ways that we could get more automation into the hands of, of common business folk, just because the IT backlog was just continually getting longer and longer. Um, so we needed a way to, to kind of spread that out. So going into it, they knew that this was sort of a pillar of their whole project anyway. So it was a little bit easier for us to push and say, yeah, we're going to need a COE. And they're like, okay, well, rather than trying to go consulting and figure this out later, like we're going to dive in right now. And I'm really glad they did because the folks who we brought on, uh, we have three, I guess I'll say two associates, one senior associate and a manager on that team now. Okay. Um, and it was really helpful to have them on from the get-go because we worked with them directly to build out the playbook. So like, hey, how are you guys going to review things? What do you need from business owners as responsibilities? Um, you know, doing racy models out for that type of stuff. So them having that knowledge of built it they're very well versed now and they, they know exactly what to do in situations. They know how the process works and where to send people. Um, so that was really helpful for us to build that out. I'll, I'll give a shout out to UiPath because I downloaded the community version and was just messing around with it myself. Got to a point where this project was taken off. This was 2019, like uh -huh. pre-pandemic. And it got to the point where the project was like, yeah, the, the executive team was, yeah, yeah, let's do a pilot. Let's do this. This sounds great. Um, and they were like, yeah, we have an enterprise trial version. I think it was 90 days, which mm -hmm. was also really good yeah. for, for a trial. I, we blew through the 90 days. And then like the exec committee is like, they're putting it off, putting it off. I think we extended that four or five times. So there you, I, I, I give a shout out to them. They're really nice of working with us and being like, I kept being like, we're so close. We're so close. Just don't let us lose this. <laughs> We've like, we built all these bots to show them these demo bots. Like, please don't let us lose this. And they were really good. Like, yeah, sure. Okay. Here's another 90 days. Like keep going. Like, where are we with your exec committee or what's the decision-making good process? So they were, they were really helpful in working with us to help prove out the value and give us the ability to do so for free for a very long time. So 
I mean, look, a lot of these companies, it just makes sense for them. It's not super expensive for yeah. them to, to run a quick, easy enterprise bot. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it makes sense for them to kind of help you guys just get it to a point of, of actually getting it purchased. Uh, oh. Cause you always can ask, you know, like, okay, I've had it for two weeks. Can I get another two weeks or, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, I'll always do that. So okay. and they always give like, Oh, well, I'm going to have to go ask for approval for that. Like whatever you got to do. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, That's great. If I need to talk to someone and beg to them, sure. I'll do that too. But. Yeah. I had uh, for the one that I built, it was very specific and it was about P cards. And I was like, look, I just, I'm building this bot. I wanted to go to the website, fill this stuff in, pull it down. Um, and there was like one or two kind of hiccups. And so I emailed the rep and I was like, if you can get one of your dev people with me and just 10 minutes, show me how to do this thing specifically and this thing specifically, I'll buy the tool like right after. Uh, and so they jumped on and I, of course, since they agreed to it, I came up with about four or five other things I wanted them to help me with. <laughs> exactly, yep. uh, but then, you know, they went through and they're like, yeah, you can do this, 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 this. And I went, perfect. All right. Uh, send me the, you know, send me the contract and, and we'll buy it. And cause that was like the main thing I wanted it for. And I right. could basically use that, the framework of that bot to replicate it multiple times. Yeah. Multiple I think that's, just, you know, that's something we've noticed a lot too. Like when we were building our support pulling bots, we basically just took the same bot, made a couple minor changes. Uh -huh. Like, Oh, now instead of pulling sales orders, pulling journal entries. Yeah. So, yeah. And we had, you know, someone in finance is like, Oh, I'm really trying to do this with this, with our NetSuite interface. I'm like, Oh, I did something similar. Here's my bot design. And they just took it and kind of tinkered with it. Yeah. So, you know, again, a big UiPath fan only because we looked at three uh, blue prism automation anywhere UiPath by far, they are the biggest. And that comes with a lot of benefits, you know, some cons as well. Yeah. But biggest one is a, they're always getting new features in. Um, they're constantly buying up other places. So we definitely foresee like language processing coming in AI machine yeah. learning. They're already starting to build some of that in. Nice. The other piece was the, the trainings. I mean, they have a whole Academy online, so you can go on. Like I remember, when I was doing it by myself, before we even really got the enterprise trial, I would just Google like UiPath Excel function this, how do I do it? And there's so many blogs and things of people like, and they'll, they'll upload their templates and say, hey, yeah, I already did that. Here's the template for it. So I could just download it, tinker with it, make sure it worked for my specific process. And was like, this is great. So that whole kind of open source community to it is really nice as well, because you can beyond reaching out to your COE or internally folks who you're working with, you know, there's also people who've done this before other places and they're, they're sharing a lot of that information. I was thinking about that just last night. Uh, and it was within, so like the ACL community has, it's been around for a while, but I mean, it is fantastic. There's so much good stuff where pe people ask a question and be like, Oh yeah, here's my entire script. And you're just like, you, should, you know, like you should be charging money for that. Like you yeah, could if you wanted to. Um, but and so that is really helpful. The tool that I had didn't have a good community like that. Um, and so it literally it was last night I was thinking if I started something like that, I would create basically fake posts within the community answering the most common questions and then have, you know, uh, the dev team like go in with their accounts and answer the questions just to start to build up the even the, the idea of it's okay to post your question here. Cause if you go in and you just see like three questions, you're like, well, this is a dead community. I'm not going to post my question, but if you, right. there's a lot, anyway, that was a, a random thought that I had last night. No, um, yeah. UiPath does a good job of that. And I hope, I hope they continue. I, 
it's a trend. I feel like as companies get bigger, it's harder and harder to really keep that grassroots community mm-hmm. feel to it. Yeah. So I hope they have success doing it because that's one of the greatest things I love. It's like, I get stuck and it's frustrating. Like, why can't I just get this stupid thing to work? Yeah. And just Google it. And then like you come up and they have a whole UiPath specific forum and community where they have their developers answering questions too for mm-hmm. folks. So I mean, you know, sometimes it's it's obviously a Slack bot that went through. It was like, oh, hey, here's an article on that. You're like, yeah. no, no, no. I want like a detailed answer. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, they're, they're pretty good about that. So I hope that continues. Okay. There is, I know we've talked bots pretty much the whole time, which wasn't yeah. the full plan. We we're going to hit on some <laughs> other topics. But um, so I'll, I'll throw it to you, Nick. Is there anything else that you would want to leave the audience with bot wise or maybe even completely outside of the, the bot world? Yeah. I mean, bot wise, I would definitely say just, you know, if it's something you think is going to benefit your organization, just get the ball rolling. It, it, you know, it's, it's going to be a long slog. It's always hard to go ask for new things and especially in maybe some older company cultures where they're not used to this type of stuff, but the values there. Um, if you have the right processes and you know, a lot of manual work's going on, I mean, this is going to be something I think that's really going to save companies a lot of time and money and become way more efficient. So, so I would just recommend, Hey, start the process, talk to other folks who've done it. I'm certainly happy to speak to anyone if, if they want to reach out. I know you provide contact info. So, you know, I certainly reached out to a lot of other folks who had done it before me when I was doing this. And that was really, really helpful. So I certainly say, you know, leverage your network on it and, and just get it started. Um, other than that, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to plug anything. I don't, I don't have any podcasts or, or <laughs> articles or anything that's really coming out, you know, except to say, you know, I'll, I'll plug again the, the local internal audit roundtables. If you guys have any, I'm a big fan of networking, um, especially within your local area to help you. So we're not all on our own, especially small shops. I'm one person plus my one team member. So it's a two person audit team. It, it is insanely helpful to have folks I can go to and bounce questions off of that aren't my controller or my CFO or people in my own company. So um, definitely leverage those networks. Hey everyone. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of the audit podcast, whatever platform you're listening on right now, I'm sure there's a subscribe button somewhere. So please hit the subscribe button there. If you're listening through iTunes or Spotify, feel free to go give us that five-star rating. It only took me about 16 seconds to give myself a five-star review. And it really helps to get future guests to come on the show. So we'd really appreciate that. Lastly, be sure to check out the show notes and follow us on all our social media channels on Instagram, on LinkedIn, and on TikTok. Also, if interested, please sign up for our weekly newsletter from The Audit Podcast. Thank you all. Have a great one.